0: They are carving up this LSU defense. They don't get no better than that, man. Cook throws the deep ball and it's wide open inside the 30. Love it makes a move.
1: Stretch the field to the wide side. Here's Burton, the elusive freshman. Stays on his feet. He will take it to the end zone. What a drive for Missouri.
0: This is the Mazadcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazadcast. I'm your host, Brandon Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony.
1: What's up, Dum Dums?
0: Well, what's up, Colin? As we have not podcasted in uh, far too long. I don't know whose fault that is. I don't know if anybody wants to point fingers.
1: Uh, I do. You I want to point the finger at Brennan. Brennan had kids, and yeah. um, I've had kids for quite some time, and it has not interfered with my ability to this podcast. But for yeah. Brennan, it's a huge interference. Uh-huh. And, uh, you should all direct your ire at Brennan, okay. not me.
0: I'm willing to accept the ire and... Uh I'm not going to do what I like to do, which is point out that uh, I do 90% of the leg work. And for you podcasting it means talking for an hour. For me, it means hours of editing and uploading and uh, all that stuff. I, I, w- I won't mention any of that today because it is indeed my fault. I don't
1: my, think you should. Yeah, I do not
0: should. I'm not going to. That's why I'm I'm bigger than that, you know? Um, so <laughs> I'm quite big, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, my, uh, my infant children have been a... Huge hindrance to this podcast.
1: And don't forget your wife, but and she's a problem too.
0: I guess playing catch up, Colin. We left off. I guess before Mizzou was going to face an exciting bowl opponent in Wake Forest, and I'm sure that we were going to win that one because Drinkwitz needed it so bad to have his first secure his first winning season. Can you remind me how that went, Colin?
1: It didn't go well.
0: No, no, not go well. If memory serves, Wake Forest beat Mizzou twenty-seven to seventeen in the uh, Union Home Mortgage gasparilla bowl
1: it's getting hard it's getting hard to uh to you know stay on that drink with bandwagon you and twink caleb have obviously um jumped off but even like since the bowl game you know which was trash and we found out we also played our quarterback who's not good healthy <laughs> right. with a torn fucking labrum obviously i mean the decisions he makes are asinine i mean just asinine and so But then, you know, he manages to keep most of his good players in the fold. He does some recruiting. You're like, man. But, I mean, I say next season is fucking make or break as much as it's make or break for any coach that I have ever watched next season. He needs to shit or get off the pot. Well. I don't give a fuck how many goddamn recruits you can get if you are going to lose to Wake Forest in ballgames.
0: Well, you you, you know, you have to play your fucking recruits, too. And. The crazy thing, yeah, we did find out. I mean, this was a real head-scratcher, and by all rights, we should have done a podcast. Is We found that, that Brady Cook was injured, had been hurt, and started him anyway in a game where it would have made all in the sense in the world to get what? Sam Horn in there. I mean, if you're looking at this game as an exhibition, which a lot of people do, I don't think you should because it does count on your schedule, but a lot of people look at these bowl games as not important. Play your fucking recruit in Sam Horn. Why the fuck not? Then you find out the guy's hurt, Brady Cook's hurt, and he has absolutely no, no rational reason to do what he did, and it, would I mean, it just he, takes you out of it. It is insane.
1: He got hurt apparently at like Kansas State. You <laughs> know, know, he know. played the entire fucking season. The torn layman. He's throwing interceptions. He, I mean, oh my god! And we got, we, you bring Jack Averman, You got the four star on the bench. I mean, like, what call him? And it was
0: the people who were backing the, Brady Cook. A lot of them were saying, like, look. Coach Eli Drinkwitz says this guy is the guy who gives us the best chance to win. I believe him. You know, I, we're not seeing the quarterbacks playing in practice, but I believe our head coach is watching them and is making the best decision for this team. And I feel like this undercuts that entire argument. He did not make the best decision for this team. One, it's obvious that they didn't win enough. And two, you're playing a fucking mediocre quarterback in the best of circumstances, hurt. It, you cannot convince. I mean, people are acting like now they're moving on from Sam Horn. At That's just new uh, transfer is the way we of the future. But like, I, I don't understand. We, we've we seen zero out of Sam Horn. Let us see how bad he is, and especially in games like this bowl game where we lost anyway. You know, we fucking lost anyway. Let's see the guy. Let him prove that he can't play. Don't just tell us he can't play. Let him prove it. I mean, you've certainly let Brady Cook show ample evidence that he well, cannot think,
1: play. You know, maybe I, he, he knows the X's. He obviously knows how to recruit. But I do think he has, and I hope he can prove me wrong, but I, I, I do think he has a terrible blind spot for some some sort of you know decision making. I mean, it is pretty obvious that it wasn't his idea to get an offensive coordinator, uh, which has also happened since our last podcast. That's being forced on him. And if he starts Brady Cook next season, Britain, I'm out. Like, that's just a, he's not a division one fucking football player. He, this is the Conzo road where I have to hear people tell me about how Drew Smith and Mitchell Smith are great ball players. I'm like, no, they're not. They're sixth men on a good team. They shouldn't fucking be anywhere near their starter. You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, I, I, I get it. Everybody else is so bad by, they look good, you know, and then, and here we are. We're going, we're running Brady Cook out there, who I'm sure would be a fine division two quarterback. I'm not a coach and I can see it. I, I just. If you can't see it as Drinkwitz and you can't pull the trigger and you're making those sorts of decisions, you got to be had the decisions taken away from you. And it's what happened with the offense. It's why we've got a new offensive coordinator from Fresno State, Kirby Moore. They brought him in to run the offense because it's obviously that um, Drinkwitz is distracted. You know, he can't do two things at once, and that's not necessarily a knock. Not every coach. I mean, listen, if I was a football coach, I'd literally have somebody designated on the sideline who stood next to me all the time for clock management. Because I'm one of those guys who watches the game and starts seeing the Twitter light up like, why aren't they calling a the timeout right now? Why aren't they doing this? I'm like, Oh yeah, they should. That's right. But I'm like, man, if I was the coach, I'd get fucking balled out right now for being an asshole. That's why I would keep somebody who's really good at that on my hip. And I just feel like Drinkowitz needs some needs to recognize that he has some holes in his game, which is fine. Ever nobody's perfect. But you gotta be able to fucking stick somebody in that in that role who can do that job. And he did a good job. With our defensive coordinator filling that hole because he obviously couldn't do that job. And hopefully this offensive coordinator will give him the ability to sort of run this this show like a CEO and stop running terrible quarterbacks out there who, who you know, can't throw the ball because they've torn leg room and will maybe open up this offense a little bit.
0: Yeah. It's, we've been waiting for four years for Drinkwitz to open the playbook up. And I think the playbook is just sucks. You know, I, I – I feel like we've been sold a bill of goods as the offensive genius that Drinkwitz claimed that he was. I agree that I think this is a big make or break season, not just because I've jumped off Drinkwitz's train, but because it is the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's what Drinkwitz has been doing. I mean, the Brady Cook situation is just it's identical to the Connor Bazelak situation, which was horribly mishandled and made us pull our fucking hair out. Think about how many wins we left on the table by playing Connor Bazelak and Brady Cook. And I know people are going to come at me and say, "Hey, you know, you are replacing Connor Bazelak with Brady Cook." I get that, but that was just because he did such a bad job of recruiting quarterbacks. This, now he's got options, and I'm not saying Sam Horn is the answer. We just don't know, and I am not like a lot of people. I'm not willing to take Drinkwitz's word to say that he hasn't earned it yet. I don't think Drinkwitz can assess properly. I I have lost confidence in his ability to assess personnel. He's made such terrible personnel decisions. I am happy that he's got a new offensive coordinator, whether it was thrust upon him or not. It was, but we got this new quarterback transfer coming in, Jake Garcia from Miami. I do think that's a get. I mean, he's not the answer. He's not the world's greatest quarterback. He had a lot of other schools looking at him. So I think it was a good get and he needed to fill that hole early. But I'm I want to see Sam Horn. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not ready to write Sam Horn off like a lot of people are having never seen him do anything.
1: <laughs> when you go back to Bazelak and you say, well, Sam or, or Brady Cook was his backup. So that's what he got. Well, you would have got Brady Cook. Uh, with a working arm, you know, because he wouldn't yeah. have had a torn labrum at that point. But the point re- remains is that Drinkwitz has chosen to start a injured quarterback for two straight seasons, knowing that both of those quarterbacks were limited by injuries. And he's just, still decided to run them out there. And I, he needs this offensive coordinator. He needs Renee Francois ha, 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 to be in his ear because he obviously needs to be told some things sometimes, you know what I mean? Like you just ran a quarter, you, you've had two injured quarterbacks. You can't do that again. Like I, I'm not saying I'm going to choose your quarterback. but You can't do, do that again. You know, yeah. somebody needs to be in his ear telling that. Cause obviously his coaching staff is, doesn't feel comfortable doing so. Well,
0: um, and the end and, result Colin is that, um, four years in, he's no better than Barry Odom was. When you look at the end of the, no. when you look at their records, he's no better. And at, you know, people get excited about different things, and he has gotten people more excited than Barry Odom has because his recruiting is more dynamic. Yeah, his
1: toys are shinier.
0: Yes, but he's not doing anything with them. You know I mean? No. It, when you look at the records, Mizzou continues to just fumble around at the bottom of the SEC, and it's very frustrating.
1: And he's not doing Do anything know, to mend it. You know what Legos are, obviously. Everybody knows Legos. <laughs> sure. They're the preeminent building block of America. And then, but there are off-brand Legos. Have you ever seen off-brand Legos, Britain? They're not Legos. Duplo, they're the same thing. Duplo, whatever. No, Duplo is like Lego. Le- I don't. Either way. Yeah. Y- yeah you can find yeah, cheap I- knockoff Legos that
0: don't stick together. And
1: right. so Barry Odom was playing with shitty knockoff Legos, and drinkwitz is playing with real, name brand, very expensive Legos. But at the end of the day, they're both building a turd of Legos <laughs> and of blocks. <laughs> You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, one guy's got the better toys, but they're still building a turd. I want him to build a football team instead of a turd made of plastic blocks. <laughs> um, so I don't care that the recruits are shining at a point. So I'm riding the bandwagon, Brendan. I know Buffalo Bill uh, will be in, in there with me and, and, and a few others, but... I'm riding shotgun and I've got my shotgun on our wagon. And if he starts the first fucking game, I'm jumping off the bandwagon and I'm taking a shotgun, and shooting the fucking wheels. (laughs) I'm sick of this. He needs to win football games. Um, It's not enough to, you know, sneak wins at Arkansas. You know, Barry Odom could do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you know, Barry Odom could steal a win from Florida once in a while. And, Drinkwitz has had a couple of bright moments, but he continues to shoot himself in the foot with bad decisions, stubbornly sticking to bad, bad, bad ideas, horrible play calling. We're trying to resolve some of that, but we, you know, there's no, you can't blame any of this on Odom anymore. It's complete turnover at this point. It's all Drinkwitz. He's got all these toys that were, you know, some of the best recruiting classes we've ever seen. And now it's the time to do something with him or you become Butch Jones because that is exactly what Butch Jones did. Recruited like crazy, got hopes sky high, and then fell flat on his face when the season started. People, Colin, have a weird way of looking at sports these days. And I don't know if it's because of fantasy sports or because of sports betting or, or what, but some people, like I saw a Twitter poll one time that said, like, would you rather have 10 years of number one recruits or win a national championship once? And I'm like, What the fuck kind of question is that? You win a national championship. Why do you get recruits? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's insane to care more about the off the field team management, general manager stuff. You know, the, the recruiting in college level or the draft picks in the pro level, than the actual results on the field. It's insane. Why do we even have players if not to win, win and win, but there is definitely a segment of the sports fan world who care who's more invested in the personnel management than they are the actual results and it's nuts and i think we need to focus on getting wins here because if you look at the wins we're not going anywhere we're just spinning our fucking wheels and this is the year to put up or shut up for drink wits. and i don't care about all the people who are going to jump and cling to his coattails because they were wrong about conzo martin and they're wrong now you know, maybe it's well, a good I, transition to basketball i
1: agree well, I say, I agree. And there's a transition of basketballs. The people who are voting for the name on the back of the jersey said the name on the front. Like, I don't, I mean, I listen, nobody's happier that, you know, Bolton's on the Chiefs right now. You know, I love my Mizzou alumni, but I don't care about the players from the standpoint of the, I'm, I'm rooting for Mizzou and you're part of Mizzou. So I'm rooting for you and I will always have an affection for you because you're Mizzou. But core, I don't care about drafting. You know what I mean? I want to win a national championship. I want. Mizzou to hang a banner you know uh, it, it always drove me crazy with the Michael Porter thing well, we just give him time he's hurt you know we don't want to break his fragileness I'm like fuck his fragileness i burn him up You I know <laughs> me roast him you know like I don't care if he gets me if he, if he can get me a final four set him alight. light and uh, you know I don't want him to be hurt but I'm just like I'm not going to you know worry about his career like that sort of crap yeah like I, I understand he can have a very successful career it's the same with like the bowl game stuff you know, I want the guys to play in the bowl game. I completely understand why they don't because they're protecting their financial future. But I want them to. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they get hurt in the bowl game if it gets me a win. You know, sad for them, but it's the risk you run playing football. And, so um, and ultimately, can, I'm, I'm rooting for Mizzou, not any in, one individual player. Players come and go. My team is my team.
0: And ultimately, what is having the number one recurring class in the country? mean if you don't win at the end of the day Yeah, like, no, they don't hang
1: banners for that there's
0: no trophy for best recruiting like if they did jumbo fisher and texas a&m would be national champions this year they yep. spoiler alert we're not
1: yeah. anyway you want to transition to basketball a well much, i think at this point much, we should yes a much much more positive topic really and imagine saying that last year but <laughs> like uh, the, the basketball team is a more positive topic than the football team
0: I'll tell you what. But here we are. Yeah, I've been taking victory laps in my own head over the screaming that we had been doing for the last three years. And frankly, Colin, being called out a lot for not knowing anything about basketball because we were tired of Konzo Martin before other people were tired of Konzo Martin. And lo and behold, one year into Dennis Gates' tenure, it turns out that you don't need an entire decade to turn a program around. Well, Brandon, not that Mizzou is the best team in the country. They're not. But – The enthusiasm we've got right now, the wins that we've pulled off this first season—I mean, it is like—I don't know—it's like we've been cured of horrible, horrible disease.
1: It's a stupid term, and I hate to use it, Brendan, because oh, but because most of the people I hear using it, I consider stupid people. But at some point, the defense of Conzo Martin became virtue signaling. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like it became its own like cottage industry. Be, defending Kanzo Martin despite results became like having a Prada bag. Like, look at me. I'm a good person, free thinker who makes his own decisions about things. And I'm, I'm going to take a contrarian view and tell you that Kanzo Martin is good despite being awful. <laughs> and at some point, it's like the, uh, I don't know what you would call it, the cool kids decided like, oh, this is, and they're not cool, not even close, but like there became this, sort of this media. Um, bubble where it's like, Hey, everybody, let's just, let's sort of mutually de- decide that Konzo Maher, despite results, is good. And we should call the fans stupid constantly for disagreeing. They're like, No, he just turns out to be bad. He yeah. just turned out to be bad. It ter- you know what? Guinness Gate turned out to be good. And I, you know, I, I, I harp on Drew Smith or Mitchell Smith and these guys, you know, for not being worthy of the accolades they would get in division one basketball at Mizzou. Not that they were bad players, but when I watch a guy like Dyer out there, With a giant wingspan, dunking the ball, you know, I'd go, this is what I was talking about that whole time. We never had a player anywhere near that. Yeah. You know, Aiden Shaw out there, like Aiden Shaw, you know that many minutes right now. But you just see him, the long, athletic athletes who can know how to play basketball and fill it up. Hodge is a fucking shooter reminiscent of a Gilbert. Um, yeah. my only concern right now for the Mizzou Tigers is like, they seem to go as Hodge goes. You know, he reminds me of Gilbert. Those nights when Gilbert would fill it up, you go, Oh, fuck, the zoo is going to be a handful tonight. Yeah. And that's the same way I feel about Hodge. You know, like if Hodge starts getting going, hits for his first three point, first three shots. You're like, fuck it. You guys are in for a long night because hes going to get hot because yeah. they seem to go as he goes. And then you have a game like Florida where they scored like five points and we get housed. That's my only concern. But man, it doesn't take very much heat to get this team cooking.
0: Well, you had commented many times in the Konzo era how the players just looked soft, how they didn't look D1 caliber, how they didn't look chisel. Yeah, they
1: looked stocky and they they didn't look like basketball players.
0: And they were (laughs) slow and methodical. And, I mean, look at the evolution of a guy like Kobe Brown and what he's been able to do with this team. And, I mean, maybe if you want to be really kind, you can say that Konzo helped develop him. And maybe he did. You know, a, a lot of the defense of Konzo was that he was a nice guy, but of course, all things in the like the social media world, everything has to be 100% one thing or another. Like, yeah, Konzo was a nice guy. The alternative isn't the Texas coach Beard who beat his wife. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a middle ground where you can be kind of a jerk, but still a good coach, or you can be, you know, get frustrated at times and still be a good coach. Like, Konzo was a nice guy. And I mean, our mother would always tell me, it's like, I fall asleep watching Conzo looked like he was going to take a nap in the middle of the games. He was so lethargic out there. That's why he always had his Mm -hmm. coffee because he was so close to a nap. And this team is just exciting. They've got problems. You mentioned like, you know, they're hot or cold. They run hot or cold. They don't rebound well. We know this. We knew this going in. But these are all things that I'm forgiving in a first year because it is a first year and I'm going to be reasonable about that. I caught a little heat online because I was mad about getting blown out by Kansas because everything's all or nothing on social media. It didn't mean I was off of the Gates bandwagon. I've been very supportive of Gates, but I'm never going to be happy when we get blown out by Kansas. That is the nature of rooting for a team. You don't want them to lose embarrassingly, but that is the kind of thing that will happen to Brand new teams in their first year against a really good opponent. I understand that. I still didn't like it. But last this week, they played Ole Miss and utterly outclassed Ole Miss in a way that I've never seen a Mizzou basketball program outclass another conference foe on the road since we've been in the SEC. I mean, Mizzou was lights out from three. They, I think they set a record in conference play for the number of three-pointers hit. I think I had like 19 or something. We, um, we let them back in at the half. They were only leading by six, but it never, never felt like Ole Miss had a fucking yeah, chance I, in that game. We dominated I texted throughout. Twink
1: Caleb. I texted Twink Caleb during that game. I was like, Ole Miss isn't very good. Like We should win by 15 points. And at some point, I'm like, you know what, Ole Miss is playing a really good game. We're just hitting a lot of fucking shots. And I think the sad part for Ole Miss is if they play that game against most of the teams in the SEC, their record looks better. But Mizzou just shot so well that they lost. Um, you know, and they, they're, they're better in close games. They don't get rattled. I think what you see is that whether it's sports or a, a job or people take on staff, players, whatever, they take on the personality of their leader. And I think despite all the love for Conzo Martin, he wasn't a great leader. And, and I know that will, you know, the Ben Fragments of the world will clutch their pearls at that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he's not a good man. Doesn't mean he wasn't trying to make these guys. I just don't think he was a very good coach. I don't think he knew what, I think he was, I don't think he knew what to do when the game got tight. I think, you know, despite his, um, outward appearance, I don't think he had a lot of confidence in what he was doing. And I don't feel that way at all about Gates. I feel like this team carries themselves in a way like, Hey, we're confident. We know what we're doing. We're, we're going to be just fine because that is what Dennis Gates exudes and. There was a facade around Conzo that he was that guy, but it wasn't real. Um, he was a guy who was just—he was playing the role of a basketball coach, but didn't really know how to do it.
0: The problem was and, that he had been exposed that as such years ago, but people clung to the narrative rather than the reality for way too long.
1: Well, again, he's—it's a, a—it's a endorsement for being a nice guy. Conzo never had really any sustained success at any basketball team he coached at. He just kept getting jobs, though. And mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever seen the press take to a coach the way they did Conzo Martin? You know what I mean? Like, what <laughs> in the fuck are we talking? You guys are getting blown out. They are winning, uh, you know, they're winning Kim Anderson era, you know, winning re- or game records. I mean, and they're still like, Conzo Martin deserves another year. Conzo Martin, super nice guy. Conzo Martin, this and that. Like, you guys are crazy. And I hope now that the people who listen to us and thought, man, those guys are just, those Mazadcast guys are off. Look at this game and go, oh, maybe not. Yeah. Like, look, this is what it is supposed to look like. This guy does know what he's doing. Look, you can see an offense being run. You know, they're doing something. They, they have a, a plan and you can see it. You know, they're going to press. They're going to they're going to play a style of basketball and it doesn't just look like a bunch of guys standing around with their thumb in their fucking ass waiting for a coach who's half asleep on the sideline to give them any direction whatsoever.
0: Colin, not to, uh, you know, at the, at the risk of uh, going after somebody who we have on the show. I remember at one point, Twink Caleb saying... You guys need to stay in your lane. Talk about football. You know what I mean. You're you're exposing yourself for being ignorant in basketball, and uh, I just kind of want to say at this point, "Fuck you, Twain, Caleb. You fucking know nothing, mailman. You know what I mean? Like you, (laughs) you pathetic piece of shit." He did. I don't remember. He did. He could could have been joking, but even if he was joking, fuck you, Caleb.
1: Well, I mean, uh, Brendan, I think you're being a little hard on him because we he's. Kind of right.
0: Well, he sucks, though.
1: Well, good luck getting back on the show now.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, you, you met Caleb, he's gonna come crawling back. He he likes to be negged You know what I mean? Like treat Caleb rough,
1: get his muff. Yeah, you true. get
0: his muff. Yeah, that is true.
1: just twink muff. yeah sweet, sweet, sweet sweet muff. Don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I mean, I feel like there should be lots of stuff for us to talk about. Well, um, I will say that Mizzou, it's been a long time. Yeah,
0: Mizzou basketball is going to be playing Iowa State in the Big Twelve Challenge this weekend, and Iowa State is good. It yeah, comes as a shock to some people. They're good. And they've got some quality wins. I think they're still,
1: what, 13th, 12th or 13th in the nation
0: now. Yeah, and they beat uh, number one North Carolina. Big 12 in general is good. That's right. And the SEC, it's not the best SEC year. So we'll see what this holds. But this is a big game. It's a big home game. And one of the things we haven't mentioned in the praise of Dennis Gates and his team over those of the Conzo Martin years was the crowds have bought in. And this Arena, Mizzou Arena has been rocking, and all the Strain. talk about how it's the fans' fault for Mizzou not winning and they just don't support the team. Turns out, quality, entertaining basketball that results in wins also brings fans to the arena. Who could have ever guessed that this would have taken place? It's almost like they were putting the cart before the fucking horse, Sam Snelling.
1: You know what I, aggravates me about the talking heads? Uh, with their blog sites and their news article, newspaper articles, it's like they never circle back around and be like, "Man, did I step in it? <laughs> boy, was I way off!" Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all just, it's all just forgotten water under the bridge.
0: No, I ain't got uh, time for that. I got to analyze the next game coming up.
1: Yep, yep. As
0: badly as I analyzed the last
1: one. Yeah, it's like, boy, well, for all that data, you guys sure suck at this. <laughs> Um, but
0: <laughs> well, it's anyway. a, it's the bamboozle them with bullshit thing that goes on on certain websites. That's if we throw enough Excel spreadsheets at you, well, you take our advice as real experts in the field. But God, they have been embarrassed, embarrassed you know, as exposed. for no-nothings.
1: the sports world has moved into a very data driven world, and it is a good world. I mean, it's data is is great. It's, uh it lets you know so much about what you're watching the sports, how it works. What can make it better? I believe in data, but I also don't think you completely throw around, throw out the fucking eye test because of it. Yeah. Now there's just a, you know, you just watch certain basketball players or basketball games or football games. You're like, that's not working. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And so you can throw all the data at it. You want, but I'm like, I look at that guy. I'm like, that guy's not, well, just like Dyer. You know what I mean? Like Dyer did a couple, Has done some things the last couple of games where he's getting complaints. I'm like, people don't do that. Now, if you look at his stats, He's going, you know, he only scored nine points or, you know, he only did this. or It doesn't, you know, the stat line doesn't blow you away, but I'm looking at the way he moves his feet for a big guy.
0: I think there's also the reality that not all numbers are meaningful. Just because you throw numbers out doesn't mean you're throwing out meaningful numbers or you're making apt comparisons. And I think sometimes people... Forget that you also have to use some discernment on what statistics you value, and just because you pulled one out that other people aren't talking about doesn't make you a keen sense of what's going on in the world. It may mean that you're just picking out a meaningless fucking noise data point instead of something that actually matters. I mean, I'm looking at Mizzou's matchup. It's going to be um, you know Saturday number twelve Iowa State coming to Mizzou Arena, one p.m. ESPN two. And the important numbers to me, Colin, is that Mizzou scores 83 points a game and Iowa State tends to only give up 59 points a game. They're a very defensive minded basketball team. And how will we respond to that challenge? I don't know. That's where we need the eye test to come in, because Mizzou can put points on the board in a way we haven't seen in years. But Iowa State is a tough team to score on. And if we can get a few rebounds and if we can, you know, maybe get hot hot or, do, you know, if we can get a lead early, we can beat this team. But uh, I think whatever happens, we're going to have a very full arena of very excited fans. The students have bought into this whole thing in a way that is absolutely essential to making exciting television. It's just an entirely different program than it was one year ago. And I think you do have to give Desiree, Reed, Francois, a little credit for making this choice because Dennis Gates has acted fast and he's, he's himself. He's not that flashy of a guy. He just, I think he knows basketball. This, the athletes really respond to him and he does what Drinkwitz, the positive thing that Drinkwitz does. He seems to be a solid recruiter and he gets people to this program and you know, there was a lot of mockery about him bringing a bunch of Cleveland State guys, how we were going to have a Cleveland State team here. But he brought in just the right amount of guys to have a little bit of familiarity with his players and a completely new program that he hadn't been here before. And then he surrounded them by that kind of talent that wins games. And Kobe Brown stuck around. He got Kobe Brown to stick around. And that will be immeasurable at the end of the season to, to the success right out of the gate. It was a huge get, huge thing to keep him here, and um, you know Mosley playing Colin. I think that has been one of the things that people have been scratching their head about all year long is Isaiah Mosley sitting on the bench, and everybody knew that he was this great get for uh, Gates, and everybody was desperate to see him play. He was the Sam Horn of the basketball team, and mysteriously he wasn't playing. And a lot of rumors about why did he have a sick, you know, mother or something like that. I heard all the rumors but ultimately he's playing now. And I think, and you look one of the things about numbers that is flawed is you look at a team pre Mosley and post Mosley. And I think you're talking about two different teams because that guy is fluid and is a help to this program.
1: Yeah. Mosley is a, is a huge help scoring. You know, if he and Hodge and um, Kobe Brown are on the floor at the same time, Missouri's got people who can really can fill it up. Um, So he's definitely a, a bonus, but like, he and Golston, especially, they can't be on the floor together. They, they both take the team out of their offense because they're both black holes for the basketball. As soon as they get their hands in the basketball, they're looking to shoot and they don't always make great decisions because they're trying, they, they force their shot. I mean, they just, and, you know, when you're a good scorer, that's not that big a deal, but, uh, when you have two of those people on the floor, it can really take you out of your rhythm. But, um, you know, I think, I think you're going to see Golston, you know, I I don't know if I've already mentioned that, you know, like I think Noah Carter and Go Million and I think Golston, they're all going to see their playing time go. I think you've already seen DeGray completely disappear and Shaw doesn't get to play that much at times, but they're working him in and Dr or DR, however I'm saying his name, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. He comes in and he's such a breath of fresh air. I just can't imagine that you're not going to just continuously see more and more. Of him and Mosley, and those minutes got to come from somewhere.
0: D'Ara, I mean, for a team that doesn't rebound well, having a 6'10 freshman has, doesn't hurt.
1: No, and they need the size. And, you know, because to this point, Kobe Brown has been great and he has been a consistent, you know, 20 point scorer for several games. He definitely takes some pressure off of Kobe because Kobe's filling the role of like power forward. And really, he's a small forward, I get, I would. I feel like you know he's he's not he's happy to bang around in there. He's very physical, but that's not how I think of his game. Really, I think it's a role he's been forced to take on on this team. But I think the size that Dara Dier, whatever the fu- how the fuck you say his name, I'm just going to call him Diarrhea. Yeah, that's um, it. You, he that kind of size helps, um, even though he's not necessarily what you would consider a big physical big. He's just too big to be ignored um, down there in the paint. He can rebound. He can block shots. And he just moves so well for a kid his size. He's really impressive. I don't think I think you're going to see him continue to get more and more minutes. The crazy thing is, Mizzou's going to be such a different team for some of these teams that have already played them when they play them a second time. Yeah, that's right. You know these teams that played him the earlier in the season where they you know they were these guys weren't playing. You know Shaw, Yer, Yar, Yar, diarrhea, whatever the hell they call Mosley. I mean, these guys weren't even they were getting no minutes. Some of these teams are going to be a, a really different see a really different look from Mizzou.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there's 11 games left on the schedule. It's a tough road to hoe. I mean, we got Saturday, number 12, Iowa State. We got number four, Tennessee on the road, number 15, Auburn on the road. Uh, a lot of road games ahead of us. We're 15 and five. Uh, you know, I think Ken Palm had us at 19 wins. We need five to uh, surpass that. And I think that's very doable, especially, you know, this team when it is clicking can play with anybody in the country. You know, we've seen Mizzou at their best and we've seen them at their worst this season. I mean, some of the wins we've had have been very, very impressive. And then, you know, the game against Kansas, not very great. Um, You know, we've had a few clunkers and uh, the Alabama game, not very good. But we don't know what team we're going to get on any given night. And if we've got our best, we're going to give anybody a run. And, you know, the Tennessee game, I think we probably chalked it up to a loss much as it pains me to say on the road, number four, Tennessee. But there's a lot of these games that there's no reason Mizzou can't win, even against maybe on a normal night superior talent. So uh, it just they're loaded in a way that we haven't seen ever in the Konzo era. And then, you know, on top of that, Cam Anderson. They've
1: got, they just got a ton of depth and credit to Gates for continu- for playing a lot of players and getting them a lot of players seasoned. I mean, he's got, you know, Mizzou's stacking up to be a team that can. Can weather an injury or two, you know. um, Think about Noah Carter at the beginning of the season and what a big part of he's you know he was of the game plan and the offense. He took a lot of shots and uh, and now you know, of course, he was injured, but his time has really you know started to slim down. Like I said, they're just a completely different looking team, and they're a team that's going to make the they're going to go to the NCAA tournament. They're gonna they're going to win possibly twenty games, and and it's hard to imagine that. Uh, last year at this time.
0: You know, uh, one guy I really have grown to like is Carlton Banks slash Nick Honor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He plays well. I mean, him and East, I, I I think I said earlier, just, I wish one of them would truly distinguish themselves. I think honors get more tick now than East is overall, but you know, I don't look at, I look at those two pretty interchangeable at this point. Mm -hmm. But but again, how awesome is that? You know, we last, we haven't had a point guard in like the entire Conzo Martin era. And now we have two. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? It's.
0: reliable. It's All right, Colin. Well, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're upbeat about basketball. It's been really entertaining. It's, it, it's been appointment viewing and it's not just for us, but for the fans. You see the arena has been full and the students are bought in and it didn't take a lot of time. All the uh, fan talk was obliterated with just one pretty good year. And so that's great. Why don't we get into something else? That's great. It's time once again. For Kansas News. Well,
1: I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas: sunshine, sunflowers, and sons of bitches.
0: This is Kansas News. Colin, every once in a while, a Kansas News story comes along that uh, starts blowing up our Twitter feed, and we get all these private messages, and people are sending us, you know, intrepid reporting and it all ends up being the same story. This is one of those stories. It uh got legs and I heard a lot about it. So it's time to report dog steps on rifle in back seat of truck fatally shoots Kansas man.
1: Well, Brendan, that dog is just exercising his second amendment rights and I su- I support it and I uh you know, I wouldn't dare think about saying anything negative about that dog. I mean, he's just doing what the Constitution has guaranteed that he's allowed to do.
0: That's right, two A forever. You know, and also, what a good boy.
1: You know, what a yeah, good, he's a good boy. We
0: killed a Kansas boy. good boy. Yeah,
1: he got rid of. Nobody wants those stupid Kansans around.
0: Yeah, give him a biscuit. A uh, Kansas man is dead after officials said he was struck by gunfire from a rifle that discharged when a dog stepped on it in a truck. The fatal shooting took place in rural Kansas along a road in Sumner County, about 45 miles south of Wichita. The Sumner County Sheriff's Office identified the victim as Joseph Austin Smith of Wichita. According to the Sheriff's Office, deputies were dispatched to the scene Saturday morning for a male who had been shot in the back. At the scene, EMS personnel administered CPR before the victim was pronounced dead. The driver of the truck, who was sitting next to Smith when the gun was fired, was not hurt. Sheriff's Deputy, Jordan Douglas said a preliminary investigation found Smith was sitting in the front passenger seat of a pickup that contained hunting gear and a rifle in the back seat. The dog who deputy said belonged to the owner of the pickup was also in the back seat, stepped on the rifle, causing it to fire.
1: The dog when reached for comments said, Walk well, around and find out
0: <laughs> the uh the fire The fired round struck the passenger who died of injuries on the scene. The case remained under investigation on Wednesday. He reminded gun owners to store your firearms properly in your vehicle. Keep your safety on. Unload your guns completely when it's in the vehicle. Put it away or in the trunk, he said. Also, don't let your dogs crawl all over it.
1: Yeah. Don't give it to your homicidal dog. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what we take away from this.
0: Safety off. It's the kind of thing, while tragic, I suppose. Um, under normal circumstances, we're in Kansan so it's not. I that
1: really should then. have known, honestly. That 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 dog had been listening to some disturbing music. and started wearing a black trench coat to school. Oh boy! I mean, it's it's really that's it's the, um, the it's the owner's there. fault. I mean, they're they the signs were there, yeah. You know, like disturbing pictures drawn in his dog notebooks. It's <laughs> it's the tale of all this time. Oh, Boy,
0: you know I, I, the weird thing to me is that in kansas i don't really think that this is news you know i I think dogs shooting their owners or uh, dogs exercising their second amendment rights on humans that's pretty common stuff but around the country people are a little bit shocked by it
1: yeah well listen i i don't expect the uh, gentleman who owns this dog or the dog to lose any sleep honestly
0: yes (laughs) i don't think the dog
1: i mean is it it's like uh you know like in World War II, you know, they people would watch their buddies die, but they wouldn't stop and cry about it. You know, they had to they had a job to do that to keep moving and, and 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 pushing forward. And you just had to get used to being surrounded by death. And when you live in Kansas, I can't imagine it's not the same way. Like people are just dying of fentanyl overdoses and you know, accidental shootings on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. Um, autoerotic asphyxiation. Um, yeah, you
1: got to be accustomed to this sort of carnage.
0: Yeah, I'm sure after the dog blew. You know, the brain matter all over the front windshield continued licking its balls.
1: It's I like listen, listen, this is Kansas. This is ha- this shit happens.
0: Yeah, I got stuff to do. This is normal. Man leaves after lighting house on fire in Kansas. A man left a house unattended after lighting it on fire in Kansas Tuesday afternoon. According to the Barton County Fire District two, just after two PM they received a call for a report that a house fire. Uh, Had flames coming from the windows and attic near the intersection of Northeast 30th Avenue and 140 Road, Wichita. Upon arrival, Firemen said the house was engulfed in flames and no one was around. Firefighters immediately fought the house fire defensively, meaning fighting the fire from the outside due to the amount of fire inside and the stability of the house, the roof having already collapsed. While extinguishing the fire, the department said they found that there was no electricity or propane leading into the house, indicating that it was vacant. According to the fire department, the property owner was looking at tearing the house down and decided he'd rather light the house on fire. And left the structure to burn down unattended. The department said smoke and flames were visible for some distance, and they received a number of 911 calls. This is sort of Kansas's answer to estate planning. You know, things aren't going well. You need a little extra money. Time to get a match out and light your property on fire.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, just like there's a bill here for demolition of my property. Yeah. You know what? I've got plenty of, and they're free. There's matches. (laughs) That's right. I got a book from a bar the other night.
0: I don't know what he expected. He just walked away and thought, ah, this will be fine. Should just take a couple of minutes. Nobody will notice the house ablaze. Also, like they say the house it appeared to be vacant. How can you tell in Kansas? You know, like a perfectly usable multifamily house and a vacant structure without electricity look pretty there much the same.
1: There weren't four pit bulls. Yeah. In <laughs> so they're like, oh, well, the owner's not home. No, there's just there's no. Without, the, without pit bulls, then how are they supposed to know anybody lives there if they're not home?
0: Yeah, there's just remains of old pit bull shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess how soggy are the cigarette butts in the front yard? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like do they look like they've been a while, or they faded, or they look like fresh cigarette butts. Sure. Because <laughs> you know there's a lot of those laying around.
0: Yeah. Um, the I'm just trying to think sense. of
1: reasons they would know.
0: Yeah, they're, they're is, there, freshly is, is there a
1: UTV in the dry, like in park somewhere that's like, Looks really expensive as compared to everything else that the person owns.
0: Yeah, more valuable. You know, than know that the home. would help.
1: <laughs> yeah, if there's that, you know, like a UTV there that's or a truck that's worth more than the home itself. Uh, that's a good sign that somebody's actually living there yeah. in Kansas.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of people losing their living quarters, it takes us to our next story. Ninety-seven-year-old Kansas woman evicted from nursing home. Uh, that sounds right. For Mimi Wakam, the search to find her 97 year old mother a new assisted living home was something she never expected would happen the way it has for six days. How, well, how old is she? I know. We are 97. The, uh, the daughter has to be in her mid 70s, one might think, right? Like 70 yeah. at least.
1: Yeah could literally be in a nursing home herself. Right. It's like now forced to find a nursing home for her mom.
0: For six days, we tried to find a place for my mother, Wacom said, and my mother has special needs. Not every place can take her. Wacom said her mother was evicted from Sunflower Homes after an alleged contract dispute between the facility and Ascension Living Hope, Cedric County's only PACE provider of whom Watkins' mother was a patient.
1: What's PACE?
0: It uh, doesn't say because it's poor reporting because it's a Kansas newspaper. But I got you. Anyway, uh, it's like we're
1: just supposed to know what that acronym means. I have to
0: say, everybody knows something about syphilis involved in the eviction notice. The owner of Sunflower Homes wrote effective immediately. Noir is being evicted due to negotiations not being reached. Wacom said she received the notice two days later. All of a sudden, my mom ended up in the hospital. Since then, Wacom says she hasn't been able to bring her mother back to Sunflower Homes. They told us we don't have a nurse to readmit her, and they're not answering my phone calls. To make matters more complicated, the recent closing of a Kansas Masonic home, which served as a nursing home for dozens in the Wichita area, has contributed to the market being unable to meet current demand of homeless elderly.
1: Well, I would suggest this lady treat her loved one as that guy did at his house and just you know, set her on fire, just you know, cremate her.
0: That's and, the uh, normal Kansas nip way. Nip this
1: problem in the bud. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I like how the nursing homes and can- nursing homeowners are notoriously uh, compassionate, I'd say, you know, in general. Yeah. And then in Kansas, yeah. particular, 97-year-old woman, they're like, yeah, you know, fuck off. <laughs> There's the
1: street, yeah. toots. Like, listen, you could, she can't stay here. You know, she's they're going to bury her in the ditch out back with the rest of them. Or you're going to find a new place for her. But there's no situ- circumstance where she can live here.
0: Well, the, the weird thing about this story is I'd say the median life expectancy for a Kansan is about 37. So the <laughs> fact that this lady's 97, she's really beating the odds.
1: Yep, she's defied
0: the odds. God bless her. <laughs> yeah, well, that'll do it for Kansas news. Colin, I did want to. I t-
1: still wish I knew what the problem was, Brendan. You know, I don't know what pack is or whatever. that, You know, I'm like I don't, uh, I don't know. I, well, I, I can't believe it wasn't even mentioned in the uh, in the article. These cancer you know, like, sort of stories are
0: always bad. Um, hey, Colin, I I wanted to tack on a, a quick douche of the week if you have a minute. Um, sure. Right now, there's not any football games or anything, but uh, let's go ahead and play the theme song for TJ Moe's douche of the week. Douche, douche of the, the week. week. You know a guy named Eric Musselman?
1: Oh, yeah. He's the coach for Arkansas.
0: Yeah, and a huge douche. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you saw recently he was taking exception to a, a call during a recent Arkansas basketball game, and he does this thing where it's completely phony and staged. I know that it is, where he acts like he's completely lost it. He's unhinged, and he has his assistants hold him back as he, like, like thrusts himself yeah, at the back, officials. hold me back, hold me back. And he's not a big guy. So the fact that they, and he's, you know, he's pushing 60. And so he's got these assistants, like, doing the whole hold me back routine. It's just such a, he, he is a constant dildo. You know, he's always overdoing it. And he's constantly, he, like, wouldn't shake hands after a game one time. And then, he, you know, he does this thing where, like, Oh, the officials better watch out. My assistants need to hold me back because what are you going to do, you 60-year-old tiny douchebag? You're going to attack a fucking official? No, you're not. Just it's all for show, and it's all douchey, and he just fits the Arkansas fan base perfectly. And I just yeah, feel he's like, the worst. Yeah, I just feel like he's a douche and deserves a Douche of the Week award, apropos of nothing. I agree. Yeah. All right, well, Eric Musselman, you're a Douche of the Week. So, Colin, like I said, we got the big basketball game on Saturday against Iowa State. Be nice to beat them, beat the Cyclones for old times' sake. And uh,
1: oh yeah, and we got the uh, retro uniforms, sprint. I know it's bit, uh, which is a people are hot on those. I love those uniforms. I'm glad people are hot on them. Yeah, um,
0: I like them too. I think it's pretty universal. And there was <laughs> speaking of Arkansas being douchebags, there was an Arkansas account recently that uh, was claiming that we were stealing this. Look from the University of Michigan, which uh, kind of got that completely reversed. Ooh, I think this has been a Mizzou uniform combination since the 70s, so has nothing to do with Michigan. Arkansas is stupid. But uh, things are looking good in Mizzou Arena. And then I don't know if you saw the news recently that uh, <laughs> the Missouri Athletic Department's actually in the black for the first time in like six years under Desiree yeah, I Francois. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I didn't know what to make of Desiréy François. You know what I mean? Like you just—you never know who these athletic directors are. You know, they get hired, and you—that's when you find out the resume. But you're, if you said right now that Mizzou needs a an athletic director, what would you do? You wouldn't know who to. You know, yeah, you'd wait for the press to start leaking names of people you'd never heard of. Before.
0: Yeah, and then you, and you would so immediately act like you knew them all along.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and the, you know that, so. You know, with all these athletic directors, it really is a a, a, a prove-it kind of deal. And so um, I'm never for or against them because I don't know anything about them. And she, to this point, has uh, hired a very good basketball coach, you would seem. Yep. Uh, she gave Drinkwood's contract extension, which is that's you know, to be determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's raising money. She's keeping things in the black. Um, now, I she will moved say. The, she, is, is she the one that moved the antlers back down on the floor, put the students? I mean, like, kind of. Um, embracing uh, things that have otherwise sort of been um, a little bit shunned in in the by past uh, athletic directors. I think she took a picture with the antlers. I I don't think that's, that's been common practice um, in in, uh, recent years.
0: No, I I was going to say that uh, regarding the um, athletic department, actually being in the black again, some of that is just being the, in the right place at the right time. I mean, Covid took a huge bite out of Mizzou's athletic uh, budget because the ticket sales are obviously down, and then basketball ticket sales have been in the toilet for a long time, and those have been resurrected. So, and that is her doing. But there were a number of things. And that the
1: football have, team drew better fans than it, than their record has drawn in the past. You know they.
0: Well, and we also got a bigger share of the SEC pie this year because we finally came off of those. Stupid sanctions for that uh, bullshit tutor that lied about everything in the NCAA gave us a bigger punishment than Kansas did for felony charges with Adidas or North Carolina making up courses for the basketball program. and got nothing, but we got a big fat fine and lost scholarships because one tutor lied about what she did on campus because she was insane. And so we're finally sort of looking at that in the rear mirror and it gets us a bigger cut of the SEC pie what a fucking piece of shit deal that chick was. I mean, that really fucked this program eight ways to Sunday. But now, well,
1: I think, I think Missouri showed everybody never cooperate uh, ever. Yeah, that's like the the nobody, M- Missouri's biggest sin and all that was they cooperated completely. And every school that has basically just denied, 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 and never back down an inch has never gotten any real repercussions. And I'm sure Missouri learned that lesson. And I'm sure a lot of schools learned that lesson by watching what Missouri did, like, yeah. oh, look at Missouri with their integrity, that's and right. look what it got them. Yeah, we were. Like, Our world doesn't reward integrity anymore. I don't know if you guys have watched the news lately.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, Missouri's basically become a cautionary tale, and um, don't follow the rules. That's the that's the takeaway. The NCAA has taught us all. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to Saturday. I'm looking forward to the Tigers getting a win. There's, you know, the rest of the programs are looking good too. I've uh, been following the gymnastics girls the last couple of years. I mean, you know, I, I know it's not a big sport, but in the SEC, it's a big deal. And the fact that Mizzou's competitive there is a good thing. So, the more programs that are successful, the better. And uh, you know, the one thing that's been lingering, I feel like, is Missouri doesn't have any SEC championships. Hardly, you know, or we don't win. Mm-hmm. Conference titles and almost every other school, every other school is one more conference titles than we have in the time we've been here, and that's a black mark on the program. And if we can turn that around, any of these sports, I'll be happy. So,
1: anyway, Brendan, before we go, I just want to mention that uh, me and Brendan do a, another podcast. If you like our brand of uh, humor, I suppose, uh, for our Patreon listeners, called Nerding Out, where we talk about uh, whatever is, you uh, know, we're nerding out about. Whether that be uh, television shows or movies, or I, I don't know that we've ever done a video game, but it could, it could happen. You know, we could be nerding about about women's underwear. You never know.
0: <laughs> we could be.
1: Um, we could be. We're not, but we could be. You know, maybe it's like we come out with something really cool. Um, that we're both really excited about. Maybe stuff I don't even know anyway. about yet. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's something lacy and crazy that uh, the kids know about, but I don't.
0: Yeah, like um, to but learn.
1: Anyway. Yeah. If we learn about something like that, we may nerd out to it and do a little podcast about it. So if you're a, a Patreon listener, uh, look out for that. We're going to be putting up another one of those. And if you're not a Patreon listener and you're curious, it's three bucks, you cheap pricks. It's
0: $3. Yeah. And if you do know any insider tips about, uh, new innovations in the world of women's underwear, let us know.
1: Yeah. Cause we need the help. We're all here. Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> that's right. Thanks for the plug Colin. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Until Saturday, are uh, you?
1: Walk around and find out.